The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's word for today. Glorious. Well, again, good morning, Acts. We are in the second week of an Ephesians series that not just Acts Church Leander is going through, but Acts Church Lakeway, Acts Church Lake Line, Acts Church Kyle. We're all going through the same book of the Bible. We've been handing out these little Ephesians journals. In fact, we got, we, they were so popular, we got, we not sold out of them, we weren't selling them, but we handed them all out. Uh, and then we ordered them and they will conveniently be here tomorrow morning. Um, so next week we'll be have some more for you if you didn't get a chance to get one. Uh, but we're literally going through the entire book of Ephesians together. And one of the cool things is that we actually get different perspectives on each chapter. So we're sending out not just my podcast, but the podcast over at Lakeline and Kyle and Lakeway. So if you want to get a second look at the scripture, uh, it's kind of a unique opportunity to see different perspectives of how God is speaking into and through the life of these different churches. But we're going to start off with some prayer, and we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 2 today. I invite you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. You're a good God who has plans for the world, a world that is pretty broken. And it's always been broken, but sometimes it seems more heightened, and it's at one of those moments now, certainly as a country, as a world. Lord, we pray that you speak your truth into our life, and that truth changes us, that truth unites us, and that truth helps us reconcile this broken world back together again. Lord, we say this in all your son's precious name. Amen. So one of my guilty pleasures is zombie movies. I don't know if anyone else here likes zombie movies. I remember the first time that I got into them. Uh, I had a friend of mine who liked horror movies, and at my home congregation, we had a youth room that was pretty big, and it had this huge big screen TV, and it had this massive sound system with this massive subwoofer. And I was about 18 years old. I was doing a lot of volunteering at the church, and I had gotten keys. 
And so what my friend and I would do is we'd have movie nights at the church. We'd go into the youth room just by ourselves, and they'd have this, you know, huge projector screen with this massive sound system, and we would watch movies. And uh, there's a movie called 28 Days Later, and it's about a guy who uh, gets into an accident. Uh, He's in the hospital, and for 28 days, and during that 28 days, the zombie epidemic hits Britain. And so he wakes up, and pretty much everyone has been turned into a zombie. So I don't know why that connected with me as much as it did, but to this day, if there is a zombie, something on Netflix, or if it's on Hulu, or if it's on just regular TV, I am all about, I will sit down, it's my guilty pleasure, I realize the story's going to be trash, but that's just kind of where I'm at, right? And the reason why I tell you that, the reason why I start off with that, is because when we go through Ephesians 2 today, it's going to be talking about the walking dead, literally. Um, And that idea of these zombies walking around is going to help us make sense of what Paul is trying to talk about. Last week in chapter 1, we talked about how God has a plan and how he predestined each and every one of his children, that's you and me, to be a part of that plan, to be agents of goodwill. And in chapter 2, we're going to start to see what that plan actually is. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your little journals, open them up. Ephesians chapter 2. For this series, we're going to be in the English Standard Version. Uh, That's what the journals are in, so that's what we're going to be reading out of. If you've got those on your phones, uh, that's what that's going to look like. Anyway, here we go. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked. Hear that. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were the walking dead. You were dead. You were just moving around. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we were all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So it starts off really uplifting, right? This is Paul just being very gentle and kind and happy, rainbow-esque type thoughts. No, he starts off... He says, you were dead. Oh, you were moving around. But everything you did left things worse. And we see that today, right? We see that in the world. You can turn the news on for five minutes and you're like, holy crap, what has gone wrong? Why are people acting this way? We look at our families and the broken relationships and the hurts And it's either they did something in their zombie-like fashion or I've done something in my zombie-like fashion that has destroyed relationships. We talk about that a lot, how sin, that's all it knows how to do, right? In the same way that everywhere Jesus went, things got better, everywhere sin goes, things get destroyed. And so Paul says all of us were in the same boat. All humanity got stuck with the same zombie-like appearance, And what we're going to find, which is interesting, is not only are we zombies, we're not all on the same side. And so it's almost like the zombies got together in tribes, right? And no matter what tribe it is, whether it's your politics, whether it's your ethnicity, whether it's your nation of origin, whether it's your language, whether it's your football team, just zombies, just walking around, destroying everything we touch. Paul describes all of us as the walking dead, all right? So he identifies the problem. But thankfully, Ephesians 2 doesn't just end there. Ephesians 2 goes on and it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, 
Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were all zombified, he made us alive with Christ. For by grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians goes and it says, we were all walking around dead. In our own little tribes, and our own little cohorts, just breaking down everything. Breaking down this beautiful world God created. And he says, while we were still in that state, Jesus comes. And he breathes life into us. And he breathes something different into us. And that word grace uh, was a word I honestly didn't understand uh, when I was growing up. In fact, I didn't even understand it when I was at seminary. Because when I used to hear grace, I would just say grace equals forgiveness of sins. That was my shorthand for it. And so I would read this and I would say, by forgiveness of sins you have been saved, that you were raised up, that he might show the immeasurable riches of his forgiveness in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ, for it is by forgiveness you have been saved through faith. Now, do not, not, do not hear me that I'm saying that grace does not have forgiveness in it. Forgiveness is part of the grace of God. But if you were to go and look at the Greek word for grace, it's charis. And the Greek actually means divine favor. You each, as God's children, have divine favor with the creator of the universe. Think about that for a second. What does it mean to have favor with someone? It means not only are they on your side, but they're advocating for you. That they're fighting for you. We sang that song, The Lion and the Lamb, and this lion who is battling for his people. That's Jesus. Why? Because you have favor with God. Yes, it's forgiveness of sins. Yes, that is the heartbeat that allows us to go out and do what we do. But God isn't just trying to wipe the slate clean. You see, what we find is God has a plan for these newly alive individuals. For you and for me, for our families. What's that plan? Well, this is not of our own doing, right? So it's not like we as zombies got together and figured it out. We weren't really smart. We weren't really good. No, this isn't of us. Not result of works so that none of us can boast. And this is important, right? So none of us end up becoming alive. None of us end up being connected to God because we figured it out. But we do have a purpose once God's come in. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul starts the chapter by saying, we were the walking dead. Now he says, but God's plan is for us to walk in these good works that he prepared for us beforehand. Chapter 1 was all about how God had plans predestined before the world's foundations, it says in Ephesians 1. God had a plan for what he was going to do, and he knew what your role was in it, right? And that's an important distinction. Sometimes we start off with, God, what's your plan for my life? 
which puts us at the center of the story. And what we saw in Ephesians 1 is, no, the right question is, God, what's your plan? And what part of my, what, how do I use my life to get under that plan, to be a part of that plan? And it's these good works that he's talking about. He says, we're no longer having to live like a zombie. Now we get to walk with God, doing these good works that he built us for, that he designed us for. We are God's workmanship. The God who created the universe created you. He's pretty good at his job. He doesn't make junk. And Paul says, this is the plan. This is what it looks like. One of the things that you see a lot in Pauline literature is he uses compare and contrast to really drive home a point. And so we're going to see that a lot, right? So it starts off, we were the walking dead. Now we're walking in good works. It's going to talk about how we were foreigners and aliens to what God was doing. We're going to find out that now we're citizens. We were apart. We were separated. Now we are a part of a family that God has put together to be a part of what he's doing. All right? So that's where this is going. Now, if you have your journals, if you have your Bible, I do want you to circle this word, therefore, because this is a really important word in Greek, especially in Pauline thought. Whenever you see therefore... In one of the books of Paul, it's how he uses to connect all the stuff that I said before is now going to impact this. In the Greek, it has that level of connotation, right? So Paul says God has a plan. God has a part for you in his plan. His plan is for you not to be zombies anymore, but to be walking in his good works, right? And then he says, this is what it looks like. This is how we live it out. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is doing something really important here, but it's easy to miss because there's just a lot of like, okay, okay, we're separated. I'm not entirely sure why we're separated, but we're we're not a part of what God was doing. The main thrust here, right, is Paul is describing in the Old Testament Jewish culture and identity, right? And We learn about identities when we go to a different culture. So me moving here, I have learned a lot about the Texas identity, right? There is some strong Texan pride in this state. I remember I was with uh, the principal of, uh, gosh, Glenn, uh, the new high school. And he was talking us through their curriculum. And he was talking through how much Texas history you get. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean Texas history? I'm like, for me growing up, like I grew up in Michigan. We certainly got the history of the United States, the history of the world. But there was no separate like section for like this is Michigan's history. And I'm like, oh, is that like a semester or something? And he laughed at me. He's like, oh, no, no. We do it in multiple years. I'm like, what? Years? What are you talking about? Yeah, you get a grade in what, elementary school and a grade in middle school or high school. I'm like, why? He's like, because we care about being Texan, right? There is Texas culture, right? that you grow up in, and that becomes part of who you are. Well, as much as there is Texas culture, I promise you, the culture of the early Jewish people in the Old Testament was even deeper, was even more rooted in who they were. It dictated what type of food they were allowed to eat. It dictated what kind of land they were allowed to settle on. It dictated circumcision, right? Fairly intimate 
choice, not choice, but just, yeah, intimate thing. Um, what type of clothes you could wear, who you could marry, where you could work. Their entire culture was based around the works of the law as shorthand. That's how they identified themselves. It's how they thought their tribe was supposed to live. And it separated themselves from the rest of the world. Right? And that's where their identity was. So Paul starts, and he's writing about this. And he goes, you see, we were all divided. Right? It's this universal condition. But he uses the Jewish culture as his point to hammer home. Because what he's about to do is going to be radical. He says, but now in Christ... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. All right? So we were divided, now we're separated via Jesus. But then he drops this bomb. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one man in uh, place of the two, so making peace, that he might reconcile us to God and the body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. It's really easy to miss, but do you realize what was abolished? All of the culture of their tribe. All those things that used to define you, that used to set you apart. The food you ate, the way you worshipped, the places you lived, the language you spoke, the country you lived in, all of that stuff, which was the commandments expressed in ordinances, he goes, it's all gone through the blood of Christ. Every aspect of their tribe that would have separated them. Paul says, it's no longer important and because it's no longer important, we get this new man which makes peace and reconciles us both to God and in one body, one community, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That word man, anthropos, it's the same word for humanity. Jesus came to create a new humanity. See, he saw, he looked down, he saw us all living all zombie-like, going to war with one another constantly, right? Whether it's nation versus nation, whether it's our politics, whether it's who we're rooting for in a football game. However we defined our tribes, he saw that, he saw the destruction, and he said, I, I want to do something different. I want to breathe my life and my love into humanity to create something new that transcends all cultures, that transcends all languages, skin colors. And what's wicked is he did it. Do you realize that the church is the most ethnically, financially, and sociologically diverse organization? There is no organization, there is no group that is more diverse, that transcends more boundaries in the church. Think about that for a second. There are Christians in the United States and across the world, in every country, worshiping and praying 
connecting to their father, who incidentally is our father. The church is literally the one giant tribe that you find every people group in. That you find every opportunity to connect with. I say Team Jesus a lot. And I believe in that. I truly do. Believe in Team Jesus. But when I'm out in the community, do you know what I say? Team humanity. Because you see, what we find in Scripture is a God who is fighting for humanity. And so it's Team Jesus for Team Humanity. And when Team Jesus goes into Team Humanity, a platform gets built. Where when people ask, well, why are you doing this? We get to say, oh, there's this God who, when I was still broken, came into my life. And he breathed his life and his love. And so now I'm out breathing life and life on you. And then that ironically brings them into Team Jesus that then gets sent back out for team humanity. And it's this beautiful cycle that goes on and on and on. And instead of being these zombies, that everywhere we go, things get worse, we become these living ambassadors of Christ that every tribe we go to gets better. Amen. So it's not about where you come from. It's not about your community. It's not about thinking the same way, right? God is not trying to carbon copy all of us. We come from different backgrounds. We're going to go to different places. That's good. Because then we get to go into those different aspects of team humanity, these different tribes that are at war, and we get to bring peace. We get to bring the best out of them because God brings the best out of us. And then when people ask why, we point back to Jesus. We point back to a God who is trying to unify and reconcile all of us back to him. Paul goes on. He says, he came and he preached peace to you who were far and peace to you who are near, and through him we have access in one spirit to the Father, so we're no longer strangers or aliens. We're no longer foreigners, right? Again, compare and contrast. What are we now? You are fellow citizens with the saints, and y'all are part of God's family. And you get to bring peace to those who are close, in the church, in the family, and to those who are far away, you see, that's God's plan. Is that being part of the family of God, a family that's literal foundation, is sacrificial love. That love gets sent out. That divine favor gets sent out. Out and it restores and it unites and we act differently and we interact with these different tribes and these different places we go differently because we have a God who acts differently with us. That's what church is supposed to be. And then he talks about explicitly what a church is, who we are, by saying this. He says, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We're built on those who came before us. The truth is way longer than Acts Church Leander. The truth isn't what jo Pastor Josh is preaching today or what the Acts Network is going to preach this weekend. Our truth is built on a foundation from generation after generation after generation of God's family members. And Christ himself is the cornerstone. He's the thing that's holding all of us up. And then we're joined together and we grow into a holy temple of our Lord. And in him, 
you also, Acts Church Leander, are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Ephesus was a destination city in the Roman Empire. Ephesus was a place that was known for the temples. So if you wanted to go to the best temple for Zeus or for Aphrodite, you would go to Ephesus. If you wanted to pray to that God, if you wanted to see that God, you would go to these buildings. And they were marvelous. They were grand. In fact, if you were in the Old Testament and you wanted to know where God was, you'd go to the tabernacle. God is in a space. Paul writes, he's going to do something different now, though. God's not going to build a building. He's not going to build a tabernacle. Instead, he says, no, he's going to dwell in each and every one of us. And together we become the living church. So in the same way that Jesus went and healed and loved because God was with him, we go and heal and love because according to Ephesians 2, He's inside of us. That divine favor is inside of us. And so where we go, that divine favor goes with us. And it changes things. It changes relationships. It changes how we interact in relationships. And it's hard because, quite frankly, we're all still zombies sometimes. We all still muck it up sometimes trying to figure out the imagery of what this looks like. Do you guys remember the Energizer rabbit? Right, the little pink bunny rabbit with a uh, big old bass drum? And it'd go around. What's the whole point of the Energizer bunny? If it doesn't have the battery, what can it do? Nothing. Right? If it's not connected to the lo- source of its life, the source of its energy, it's useless. That's us. If we take out the battery, and all of us do this, Right? All of us are going to go home and someone's going to cut me off and all of a sudden that battery is going to be gone, right? I'm going to lose my connection to God for a half a second, right? All of us are still wrestling with this walking deadness and this walking with Godness. And so we build into our rhythm times to gather together to worship and to reconnect, to retell the truth of who our God is. We pray together. We hear the story of who our God is together. We experience him and he shows up in the Lord's Supper. Communion literally means community union. And again, we're connected to God. Again, that life is breathed into us. That divine favor sets us free. And then we take that energy with us as we leave. And we get to be that divine favor, that uniting force, that advocate to whatever tribe we go back for. Because again, it's Team Jesus for Team Humanity. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.